This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. We are Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, ESPN2. All of our great ESPN affiliates all over the country, Sirius XM80 and the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. The highlights there. Heard right here on ESPN Radio of the Lakers minus LeBron and AD beating the Celtics last night. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Good morning, everybody. How are we Good doing Good morning. Never been so happy to be wrong about my parlay. <laughs> the, the Lakers did cover the spread, 11 and a half. Obviously, they won outright. But Jason Tatum didn't score over 26 and a half points. But that's okay because my you, team got team the win. Won. My team got the win. So it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's a win-win situation. Like, either they were going to win or I was going to make some money. But last night, I got the former, and I'm cool with that. I can't believe your team won. Down LeBron, exactly. down AD, exactly. and they beat the Boston Celtics. Didn't expect that Yeah, one. but you know what? I got to give credit to Evco because he called it. He, he said, like, it. the Lakers, if they're going to be true to form, true to character, yep. this would be a game that they win. They have no business winning. <laughs> Correct. They got smoked by the Houston Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks early in the week, but they're actually going to show up down AD, down LeBron, the two All-Stars, and they're actually going to look better. But, They're actually going to look like a basketball team. They're actually going to look like they don't want to get their coach fired. That's true, but time was ticking when you know the star on your team, the leader of your team, tweets out the hourglass emoji. You know you better show up. It's hourglass season, unbeknownst to us, because Jim Harbaugh even referenced <laughs> an hourglass yesterday in his introductory presser with the Chargers. I didn't know hourglasses were making a comeback here. It's, it's a new wave. It's a trend, It's right? unbelievable. The, the sands of our lives. Right, There's seriously. only so many sands I've got left He said hourglass. that. It's exactly crazy. What said. Like, what is happening here, by the way? You know, we're, I, we get a lot of things wrong, obviously. We are on the air for four hours a day. There's one thing that I didn't realize we got wrong for as long as we have. Uh, behind the scenes, Lawrence. You know the guy who produces the show? His last name is Lawrence. What do you think his first name is? Javante. Javante. What is your first name? Jovante. Jovante. Oh. I, I, it, is a, it is a capital V, so it makes oh, sense. Yeah, okay. Nuno, what, is, what is your last name? The correct way to pronounce it is Texero. I've gotten two of our producers' names wrong since I started this show. You got—I was floored. This is a big conversation pre-show that we are all getting the names wrong. Joe Vante, yes, Texera. You call Nuno by his last name? No, Texera. So when, when you call him, you say Mr. Texera. No, Mr. so when Texera? I call him in the sir, <laughs> is he your first Mr. baby? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> so in the morning, when I'm in the car and I call him on the way in. I do, I don't want to say it because my phone's going to go off. I do the Siri thing and I do call and then I say his full name and I'm saying it incorrectly. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe Vante, not Javante. Joe, Joe Vante. And just so you know, it's just Pat. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, Got good. Just All right, just, just making Pat. sure on that. It's actually right. Patrick, but that's fine, uh, I guess. See, we're getting everybody's names wrong. We're getting the games wrong, whatever it may be. But last night, yes, the Lakers beat the Celtics and I, you can't help but pay attention to one crazy thing, reckless speculation time. The internet was going crazy last night, right? So LeBron and AD are sitting out. Then, like, these crazy internet rumors of, could the Lakers trade LeBron James? And let's be real, behind the scenes, Joe Vonte, Texera, and the rest of us were all texting about the idea of, like, maybe, could they? Is that possible? There are 500 trade deadlines in less than a week. I don't think any of us think they actually will. But is it a crazy thought that the Lakers could... Listen to the internet reckless speculation right now. I mean, it would be in the best interest of both sides, wouldn't it? Oh I don't know. Gosh. Keep going. No, Keep no, going. it would be because LeBron has a player option for next season. So if he doesn't like the current situation that he's traded to, he could opt out. He can go back to the L.A. So essentially, this would be a rental 
And, oh, by the way, the team that he would be going back to would be a little bit different in terms of how it's constructed because you would get back pieces for LeBron in the second half rental from whatever team that you ship them to. So whether it's a combination of picks and players, players or picks, whatever it ends up being, you have more assets in order to fill out the roster around LeBron and AD to take this team to the next level. Because when you look at the other teams in the Western Conference, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, those teams are on the upswing. They're, they're probably a year ahead of schedule, but they're also teams that you have to take seriously as title contenders because of where they're at in the standings. Then you got teams like the LA Clippers and the Denver Nuggets who are veteran laden, but they certainly look the part in terms of teams that can win the NBA title. So if you're the Lakers... I mean, you've got to be able to keep pace with those squads. And I'm sorry, what you have on your team and the development of Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura hasn't moved you closer to those other squads. So, yeah, it's something that makes sense. If you can bring back a couple of first-round picks and a couple of complimentary pieces, uh, you know, that are veterans and and team-friendly contracts, why wouldn't you explore that possibility? Because he's LeBron James. That just seems crazy to me to even speculate on them moving on from a legend like him. And also, do you really think if you remove him from the equation that you're closer to winning a title? Because I can't count on Anthony Davis to consistently be there for me in the the postseason. I know what LeBron is going to give me. Even at his age, you know what minutes he can give you and that he can take over a game and that he's the undisputed leader of this team. I mean, he tweets out the hourglass emoji and you see a different version of them. He's the engine in so many ways. I just I would be floored if that were, were well, to happen. Well, here's the thing, Smalls. Like you would have to get Bron on board, right? You're, you're just not going to trade LeBron James, even though he doesn't have a, a no trade clause. What it would be is selling him on potentially not sleeping in his bed for the next four months, and that laying the groundwork for what the Lakers could be in the upcoming season in 2024, 2025, and beyond. And if he would be on board with that, I think you could put a team around him where it would be a lot easier for him in the regular season. And then you, you only have to rely on LeBron in playoff mode as opposed to having to rely on him in the final couple of months of the regular season just to get into the tournament. To me, it's one of those things that makes sense. It's a win-win. It's just we don't know whether or not LeBron would be comfortable being away from his family, being away from home for you know the next four or five months. Ev, it's one of those things that's – that's reckless speculation. Well, but, but it but, happened but, last night but, on the internet. Yeah, I know, <laughs> yeah. but, but when you but when you follow the tea leaves, it, it's just one of those things that makes sense. Well, let's focus on the this year part of it, right? So here you said you said Smalls, why would you ever trade LeBron James? You wouldn't ever trade LeBron James because you're but 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 your your point was, and it's fair. How does that get you closer to a title? Do you believe they're close to a title now? No. That's the point. So if CeCe, as a Lakers fan, is saying, LeBron, love you, hat tip, thanks for everything, we'll put your jersey up there one day, you're always welcome front row, you got seats here forever, but if we can get two young players and draft picks, like, when we start a new process here, this whole, all these conversations are fair within the next week. Yeah, but I don't think it's a new process. I think this is, uh, you know, LeBron James taking a, you know, a half a season to go chase a championship elsewhere and then coming back to L.A. I, I don't think he can by rule before a year. That's why I'm saying I think it would have to be, I think it's one year removed from when you're traded when you can return to that team. We're going to double check on that rule. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying if you just look at it this year and you're not, 
in that spot. So if he gets traded and then he decides he's going to opt out, he can't go back to LA? I, d- I don't believe so within a year. That is wild. Yeah, that's the NBA rules. The NBA has different rules because what you just suggested is what they don't want happening. They theoretically don't want somebody, because it happens in baseball all the time, where it's like, hey, go play for that team and then come back. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, in theory, it should happen because it, it could should. actually help everybody involved. It would help LeBron. Yeah, if you want to win a, another title in L.A., with the Lakers, that would be the most viable path to being able to execute. I believe, we're going to double check on this, I believe you have to be twice removed. Yeah. So he would have to be traded to one team, then go to another team, then come back, that kind of thing, where you could figure that out. But in this scenario, again, if you're the Lakers and you don't think you're close to a title, and you don't think there are moves to be made, trading Reeves or Hachimura or D'Lo, I mean, you have to then, what they probably then do is say, we're going to do it with this team this year, figure it out. If it works, it works. If it it's doesn't, not going to work, though. That's the point. It's not going to work. Then you have to have those conversations of, like, what are we doing? Now, they're never doing this, and he played well, but he's played well this year when he's played. But Anthony Davis is the one that I continue to come back to, and I wonder, would they ever? Have they ever? Have they talked to LeBron? Like, hey, we could get X, Y, and Z if we trade. I'm just throwing that one out there if we're doing the reckless speculation because they had a great win last night, minus LeBron and AD. There's an argument that maybe LeBron is in his typical February protest mode of, I'm not playing with this group anymore. Give me someone else. I don't know. I mean, I think all this reckless speculation with the Lakers right now is completely fair. Yeah, and here's the thing. like The Lakers will have more options this offseason, more tradable assets, as opposed to at the deadline next week. So I I think there is a a contingent within the organization that, that is willing to sit pat at the deadline this year because you know that you have an opportunity to make a more significant move and bring over a more impactful player in the summer as opposed to right now. The only question is, can you get LeBron James on board with that plan? Let, like, that's, that's the yeah. thing. Can you sell LeBron James on standing pat at the trade deadline and essentially burning this season? Because they're not going anywhere unless they make a move, right? Yeah, but let's they're play not going your anywhere. idea. Go ahead. I was just saying, let's play, forget the rules for a second. And we're double-checking on these rules. Your idea makes all the sense in the world. Theoretically, if they could ever pull something like that off, that is exactly what they should do. Yeah. The hypothetical of you want to go, you know, try to win a, win, a ring in uh, Denver or Minnesota for a year, for half a year, do it, and then we'll get you back when we get the young players and the draft picks with a team that's ready for you to win. That theoretical makes all the sense in the world. The team I'm looking at is the New York Knicks. The team, the New York Knicks make a ton of sense. Now, you probably have to get a third team involved for the Julius Randle contract. I would think so, too. But, yeah. but, but the New York Knicks make a ton of sense. I mean, you get Mitchell Robinson, you get Quentin Grimes, you get a couple of first-round draft picks. The Knicks have eight tradable first-round draft eight, picks. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, like you, wow. that's what you do. You go after something like that. And not that those draft picks are going to be players that help LeBron, but you can turn those picks into players this summer when the Lakers unlock more tradable draft picks. So, to me, that's what you do because we realize in today's NBA, you don't get stars via free agency. You really get stars via trade. And so you got to make sure that you have the assets that another team would want, something that would help them, and then you can bring over the players that fit your timeline in terms of having LeBron for the next year or two. So – to me, that that's the world that I want to live in as a Lakers fan, like dealing with the reality that this team is probably not good enough to come out of the West and that we're going to have to make a move that brings over a player that can really form a big three with AD and LeBron. Because right now, the options that are out there just don't move the needle for me. Like Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, I don't know that those are the guys that are actually going to – to make a difference. DeJounte Murray, I, I just I don't know that that's going to put you at the same level as the Denver Nuggets, the L.A. Clippers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I just don't see that. Yeah. And so if that's the case, 
then I would much rather the Lakers be sellers rather than buyers next week. Okay, so for those just tuning in within the last four minutes or so, what you heard was the conversation about the hypothetical reckless speculation about trading LeBron James. What you didn't hear was the preface of all of it, that we said this is all based on internet crazy rumors. None of us think this is actually going to happen, but CeCe's hypothetical plans make way more sense than what's actually happening right now with the Lakers. So the, the point is this. LeBron didn't play last night. AD didn't play last night. We're not exactly sure if LeBron's going through his typical February protest of, I, the, you see the other guys? I don't want to play with them. Get rid of them right next week. Heck of a win last night for CC's Lakers, though, over the Boston Celtics on the road. But they're just 500. That's the problem. All right, coming up, all of the head coaching vacancies are filled up. There are no openings left. And Bill Belichick is unemployed. We'll get to that next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors... You're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. The last head coaching vacancy in the NFL is now closed. Washington hires Dan Quinn coming over. From the Dallas Cowboys as their defensive coordinator. It's unsportsmanlike presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit progressivecommercial.com. So Dan Quinn gets hired by the commanders. My reaction is the worst sports talk radio reaction of all time, which is, all right, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, it's fine. Like, it does I, feel I, mean, like, I, I know that's how I feel about that. I know that's terrible to do on the radio, but I'm not going to lie to our audience. I was literally filling in for Greeny. This happened, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah, it feels very <laughs> underwhelming, not for several reasons. Well, first of all, because there are so many intriguing candidates that are still out there, and Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick, and because they assembled this big search party <laughs> led by Bob Myers with Josh Harris and the new ownership group to go out there and find their next head coach. And when we first found out about that collection of people that was put together, we thought, oh my gosh, this was a crown jewel franchise. They have the number two overall pick. They're building a new stadium. If it, it feels like this group is going to be able to have their pick of the letter. Whoever they want, they're going to be able to lure to Washington because it seems like a pretty good opportunity. And then it kind of feels like they got left, like it was musical chairs and they were the ones without a chair. And they ended up with Dan Quinn, who's who's not a bad coach, but it isn't really the sexy or exciting hire. Yeah, but I'm not as down on it as you two might be just because you don't hire Dan Quinn unless you have a plan. 
uh, for your offensive coordinator, and that's going to be the person whose primary responsibility it is to develop the quarterback that you take with the second overall pick. Dan Quinn has coached the team to a Super Bowl. Uh, Dan Quinn has put together a very good defense in Dallas. I mean, they've been top 10 in yards and points during his tenure there. They were number one in takeaways over the last three years. It, it, it feels like this is a situation where you know that he's going to be able to get that defense fixed. They had a lot of moving parts. They traded off some pieces. He'll be able to address that aspect of the team, and then the offensive coordinator would essentially come in and fix the offense. There are a lot of skill position players that they have there that they can work with. They've got cap space. So they can go out in free agency and fix the offensive line. And most importantly, they can put a scheme in place that can protect a young quarterback because that is the future of your franchise for the next decade plus. And probably the most important thing about the Dan Quinn hire is that he's already done the job before in the NFL and had success. To me, that's critical for a franchise that's trying to get off the mat after the last couple of decades of futility and dysfunction. Being able to have somebody that's not out over their skis, somebody that understands what the jobs entails is important. Bringing able to bring somebody that has enthusiasm and the ability to relate to this generation of athlete is critical. Dan Quinn, by all reports, by all accounts, can do that. So I think this was a a smart hire for the Washington Commanders. They didn't go for the home run. They went for the base hit, and that's just fine by me, given where the franchise is at. The last point you made, I think, is the most important one to connect the dots here, right? If you think about Bob Myers, who ran the Warriors, and I I say this because this is what they say, their mantra is joy. They want people that are going to put smiles on their faces and employees' uh, smiles on the faces of their employees. employees. Yeah, English. Um, (laughs) Steve Kerr is that guy. Pete Carroll was that guy. Those two have a very close relationship. Dan Quinn works for Pete Carroll. That's his mentality. It's like all the players love him. He's not the hard-nosed guy that Vrabel or Belichick would be, right? Like there's that level of like that's who they wanted. So that that part makes sense. I go back to what Small said because that's where my mind went. I thought for sure when the Washington Commanders were going to make their coaching hire, we were going to sit here and have days of conversation of like, Oh my God! That Andrew Luck is the head coach of the the Washington Command. No, I'm de- I'm actually dead serious, Cap- Captain Andrew. Luck. I'm dead serious. I, that's what I've been thinking about this. When the, are the teams going to count, Captain when, Andrew? Yeah, Luck. That, that was that would have to come back for that. Mother. Dearest mother, I wonder when teams are going to start to call him to coach. By the way, I was thinking about that randomly. But yeah. you, it, I compare it to the Celtics years ago. Remember when the Celtics hired Brad Stevens out of yes. Butler, and we're like, "Whoa, where did that come from?" But then we were like, "Good hire." Yeah, that's what I thought would happen with the Commanders here. Not the obvious guy of like, yeah, Quinn's been a head coach, defensive coordinator for the for the Cowboys. Knows the division. Knows the division. Smile on the players' faces. Like, okay, get it. Took a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, like, there's a yeah. lot of boxes that right. he checks. Yeah. But, you know, with, with Harbaugh being out there, and I know he obviously has yeah. another play. Like, just some of the names that were circulating that were connected to this job, when it's Dan Quinn, you just... It, it doesn't have the same oomph. It doesn't land as impactfully as some of these other hires that we've seen. So now that this has happened, assuming that Andy Reid does not walk away after the season, which I know there's been some speculation about that, but let's play it out that he's not, there's no openings, right? And Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL insider, joins us Tuesdays here on Unsportsmanlike, was on the Pat McAfee show and talked about what happens next with the coaching hires. 
We've seen in the past, this year, it seemed like there were the three openings and everybody else waited till the end of the season and then after because Arthur Smith was fired on Sunday, Ron Rivera fired on Monday, Mike Vrabel was fired on Tuesday, Pete Carroll was Wednesday, Bill Belichick was Thursday, it was one a day. What you may see next year is this could impact how teams handle their coaching situation so that in, I'm making this up, November 1st, when a team is three and six, three and seven, and they've fallen out and the owner knows he's making a change. At that point in time, you pull the plug mid-November so that you could get out there to start interviewing candidates so that you can get a jump on Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, whoever it is that you want to go hire. So the three of us have said this now for probably the better part of the last two or three weeks. If these teams think they're going to fire a coach four or five games into the season because Belichick is sitting there or Vrabel sitting there, why not do it now? Do you understand this, CeCe? I mean, you played 11 years. You played for three all-time great coaches in Coughlin and Parcells and Harbaugh. I have no idea why they wouldn't do that. But I guess the whole point is they want to give these coaches an opportunity to get on the other side of this. They've gotten comfortable with the, with the plan. And with Jerry in particular in Dallas, he doesn't like to pay head coaches that aren't working for him. So we've seen him go up to the deadline not once, not twice, but three times with coaches. He did it twice with Jason Garrett, and now he's doing it with Mike McCarthy. So this is how he does business. I, I, I guess when you consider the candidates that are out there with Bill Belichick and Mike Vrabel, it's more about being able to work in lockstep and being able to have synergy in the organization rather than having a football czar. And that's a little bit of the reluctance with hiring somebody like that because a part of why they got ousted at their respective teams was because those coaches wanted more power. Bill Belichick already had control of the final roster. He was a GM as well. And then Mike Vrabel was angling for more power and lost that power struggle with Rand Carthon, their new general manager. So I think that's also a part of the math when considering whether or not to go down that road. But here's the thing. I mean, when a team gets desperate, then they're willing to seed control, their seed power in their operation. And I think, you know, if you're firing a coach after the first six or seven weeks of the season, you are a desperate franchise. So I think that's why you would talk about entertaining Belichick or Vrabel at that juncture in the NFL calendar. But yes, you're you're totally right. But I also think about the time that's wasted if you're not hiring Bill Belichick now. Because of his age, you assume that you're only going to have him for a finite amount of time or a small amount of years. So if he's sitting out a season or sitting out a few months, you're already chipping away at that time that you think you have with him. So I, I think that that might be a factor in all of this as well. Like, yes, his presence is looming, but is a team really going to want to make that move knowing that he's just, you know, he's been sitting out and he's getting older? Is it possible, that, is it possible that he's a Doc Rivers? That he becomes, could Bill Belichick become an interim coach next year? He could. Eagles start one and three? I mean, is it possible that Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, could be an interim coach? Bills start one and three. Cowboys start one. I mean, that's a short amount of time, obviously. I'm just throwing it out there. Is it possible that Bill Belichick does the Doc Rivers and just becomes the interim coach somewhere next year? Well, I mean, year? we saw it with Jeff Saturday, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean so it's it's like, possible, I guess. It didn't really work out for the Colts, though. I mean, he had no, one win. No, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think Jeff, Jeff sits here with us every week. I think Jeff would acknowledge Bill Belichick's a better coach than Jeff. Yeah, I mean, right? Jeff was a high school coach. <laughs> right. <laughs> the NFL but I, I don't know. Like, is is it that absurd that these coaches go into the season on the hot seat, they have a short hook, or a quick hook, excuse me, and Belichick is like the interim... Is he the interim coach bump? Bill Belichick? Is that even possible? 
I know it's legal, but is it? Could you actually wrap your mind around bad start for the Eagles? Here comes Belichick off of the boat in Nantucket to go and and coach a team. Yeah, but even if Belichick comes in and he's your guy for the next several seasons, you still made a mistake in not firing your current coach now. Yeah, because you put yourself at one and and three. And you essentially burn a season because I have a hard time envisioning a coach on an interim basis stepping in in the middle of the season and having to work around somebody else's scheme, somebody else's playbook, and get that team to a Super Bowl level. Like, I just can't see that. And so that's the part, like, this is different from basketball. So I just don't necessarily see it working out in that first year, which is why it would be a misstep by the franchise and not hiring that guy right now. Yeah, it just feels like you're wasting time. If you were interested in him, if he was one of your finalists and you didn't go for that, or if you're a team that considered it but you stayed with your current head coach, why would you waste that time with Bill Belichick? I mean, if that happens in Philadelphia, let me tell you something. You're not just firing Nick Sirianni. Yeah. You're firing Howie Roseman, too. He got to get the hell up out of there. Like, if he didn't make the move this offseason and retooled the entire coaching staff, went, up, went around the head coach, essentially, and hired his coordinators for him, if that doesn't work out to the point where you feel like you got to fire him before the trade deadline, and, and that means Nick Sirianni, then you need you need to ship Howie Roseman out of town with him. <laughs> that's that's an understatement on that like, one. Like, seriously. Sure. I know, like, I agree. What, what are we talking about? I agree. All right, coming up, we got Canty's power rankings on the top head coaching candidates, or hires, excuse me, I got to assume we know number one. I haven't seen the list, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll see who's one through five next. It's on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time so what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go visit your parents, hang out with friends and catch a movie? They're all solid options, but what about devoting time to yourself? Maybe taking up a personal hobby you've put off. With everything in your life that you handle, work, picking the kids up from school, running errands, you never really get enough me time. The best way to squeeze that time into your schedule is to first understand your own personal value and then make yourself a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Prioritizing mental health is an important part of my life. Let BetterHelp empower you to be the best version of yourself and guide you along the journey of becoming a better you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com 
slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Canty's NFL Power Rankings. I'm looking forward to this one. I think everyone assumes when you look at the head coaching hires this offseason smalls in the NFL that there's one above them all. Yes. We think. We're not sure. But there's seven other ones. I don't know how CC is going to rank the top head coaching hires this offseason in the NFL. Oh, yes, the music. It just doesn't get old. It doesn't get old, the NFL music. All right, let's kick this thing off. Joe Vante with number five. <laughs> number five. Raheem Morris with the Atlanta Falcons. I love this hire. Raheem Morris has got experience coaching both sides of the ball. He's also got experience coaching at two places in the division, including the Atlanta Falcons. Took over on an interim basis in 2020 when Dan Quinn got fired. The team was 0-5. He actually won four games in that season, but every single game the team was highly competitive. Him being able to be familiar with the division, I think, matters Mm -hmm. significantly. And the thing I love about Raheem Morris is that he's shown that he can have a winning record even when he's got suspect quarterback play. He did it in 2010 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Won 10 games with Josh Freeman as his quarterback. Josh Freeman. And he won double-digit games. So the guy knows coaching, and he's been around a championship culture with the L.A. Rams. So I'm happy that he's got another opportunity to be a head coach in the National Football League. Good on the Atlanta Falcons for bringing in somebody that's not only familiar with the organization, but familiar with that city, familiar with that division. I think this was a home-run hire for them. Next! Number four. We got to go with Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, going out there in Seattle. And here's the thing. They keep this thing pushing in terms of a defensive-minded head coach that's got young energy, somebody that can relate to the players, somebody that players speak volumes about. All you have to do is listen to all-pro safety Kyle Hamilton talk about Mike McDonald. He says he's the smartest person in the room. He's the smartest person in the building. The Baltimore Ravens got a lot of smart people in that building. And for him to give him that kind of praise speaks volumes to me. And think about how that roster is constructed. I mean, that's exactly what you're looking for because the strength of that team, the strength of that young core is on the defensive side of the ball. It's trying to revamp the Legion of Bloom, make it 2.0 with Reek Woolen and with Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams and Quadri Diggs. They got the makings of a really, really good defense. And I think Mike McDonald is going to keep that tradition pushing in Seattle. Also, of note, Mike McDonald, when he matched up against Kyle Shanahan and the coaches in that division, did a pretty good job of holding those offenses down. So I think that's important, too. When you're making that kind of hire, you got to have answers for Sean McVay's offense, for Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I think that Mike McDonald has proven that this season. Next. Number three. Gerard Mayo with the New England Patriots. I love the succession plan from Bill Belichick to Gerard Mayo. I know it got clunky at the end, but it's never easy replacing a legend. We often think about that in terms of players moving on. But in this instance, the greatest coach of all time moving on. And I think they did about as good a job as you possibly can. And you see the difference that Gerard Mayo is going to make with this team in terms of how they do business. He let it be known in his introductory press conference This franchise is no longer going to operate in silos. They are going to communicate. They are going to prioritize working synergistically together, hand in glove, and everybody in the building being on the same page and not one man being responsible for overseeing it all. It's going to be delegating responsibility and trusting people to do their jobs. And I think Gerard Mayo is the perfect fit to usher in a new era of Patriots football. Next. Number two. 
Antonio Pierce with the Las Vegas Raiders, my former teammate. Uh, listen, I know a lot of people law the football acumen of a lot of other coaching candidates, and I don't think AP gets his just due. This is the smartest defensive player I've ever been around in my career in the wow. National Football League. Wow. He's the smartest defensive player I've ever been around. Why specifically? Like well, what what did he do that you're like, wow, other guys don't do that? Well, his recognition of formations and the concepts that teams like to go with in those certain circumstances, down the distance, time and score, he was able to process all of that information and spit it out to you before the snap of the ball. Like, think about it. I'm Which getting like in my seconds, I'm getting right? in my stance. I'm trying to read my keys and trying to identify what's going on. He's telling me, hey, look out for this. They're going to run lead week on this play out of this formation. Be ready for the double team. He knows all of this. He's telling that to me. He's communicating tips to the back end. And here's the thing. He's actually got to do his job too. Right. So being able to process all of that information, get it out to the people, uh, let guys know what they need to know before the snap of the ball, and still be able to do your job at a high level just shows how high-functioning he is. And the response to the team down the stretch, the final nine games, they had a winning record, went 5-4, and four, and they had some impressive wins, including a blowout against the division rival in the L.A. Chargers. To me, that like the way that they played and then the way that the guys came out for him during the hiring cycle – Max Crosby, Devontae Adams saying they only want to play for him. And Max Crosby took it as far as to say, if you hire somebody else, I'm going to entertain the trade market. For them to actually do this and hire Antonio Pierce and resist the urge to go after Belichick or to go after Jim Harbaugh or go after Mike Vrabel, I think that's Mike, my, uh, Mark Davis learning from a couple of years ago when he didn't hire interim coach Rich Basaccia after they made it to the playoffs. He actually went about doing it. He listened to his locker room. He listened to the people that were actually in the building. And that's why I think this Antonio Pierce hire is going to be an absolute home run for the Raiders, no matter what Evan says. Next. <laughs> number one. I mean, there's only one number one, right? It's the L.A. Chargers with Jim Harbaugh. I didn't think that they were going to pony up and spend the money $16 million a year to hire Jim Harbaugh. You know, he let it be known that he wants to win a Lombardi. He's only got but so much runway in his coaching career, and he wants to win at the highest level of the sport. And so I guess, you know, being able to marry him with Justin Herbert, knowing how Harbaugh gets the best out of quarterbacks, I think that takes Herbert to the next level, and that allows the organization to get the return on the $250 million that they paid Herbert last offseason. So I think that's a phenomenal hire for the L.A. Chargers. And now Chargers fans – can actually get excited because your team might live up to the potential that everybody says they have based on the talent on the roster. So that's the coaching power rankings, the hirings that NFL teams made this offseason, one through five. We got Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers, Antonio Pierce with the Raiders, Gerard Mayo with the Patriots, Mike McDonald with the Seahawks, Raheem Morris with the Falcons. Smalls, you are my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? The only objection I have is Gerard Mayo at three. I think he should certainly be included on the list, but we don't know what he's going to be. He's such an unknown. Just because Kendall Roy's in the family and in the building and was the succession plan doesn't mean that he's the right guy for the job. So I was just a little surprised to see him at number three. Interesting. Even though he won a Super Bowl, went to a go, okay. All right. You're not, you're not sold on him as a, okay. All right. Well, we have to see it in action, no? Okay. All right. Certainly had interesting hires. In terms of, I like I like his defensive coordinator hiring Demarcus Covington, hiring Alex Van Pelt as an offensive coordinator who's had success in this league, coming over from the Browns most recently. It's just, it's not. He's been in the building for a decade, True. so I mean, like, but like, it just feels. Here's the thing: I think part of it is, as a Pats fan, this whole thing feels so different. Gerard Mayo has a style in which he's going to do it totally fine. He's allowed to. 
<laughs> when you're used to the same style for 20 years and you're like, wait, you hired out of house? We never saw that before with Belichick. There would always be like, oh, that guy worked for Saban. That guy worked for Shiano at Rutgers. There was always the connection. And now you're like, Alex Van Pelt. Oh, he just has a good resume and Gerard Mayo wanted to bring him in as offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. It just feels different for me as a Pats fan because it's like you're relearning how they go about things. They've become like any other team now. They're not, they were never like any other team. The Chiefs are, regardless of what happens in a week and a half, the Chiefs are not like any other team, right? Yeah. They're so good. They're so elite that you can't even compare them. New England Patriots basically fired a head coach and have a question at quarterback. Guess what? Every team in the league has had that over the last 20 years but yeah. them. Yeah, I guess the thing that I like about the Gerard Mayo hire, he's not just a Bill Belichick coaching disciple. He actually played for Bill Belichick. Yeah. And playing for coaches that are in that Parcells Street, they're going to teach you the game a different way than most coaches around the league. So your understanding of how all of it fits together is next level. And having been out there on the field and having done it, I think that puts him in a position that's unique as opposed to the other Bill Belichick coaches that didn't play the game in terms of being able to communicate the principles of winning football to the players that are in that locker room. Think about this. I mean, the one guy that's a head coach that actually played for Belichick in the National Football League, Mike Vrabel, pretty good head coach. Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell, another one. He, 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 he's no, he's good. He didn't play he didn't when play Vrabel was. He didn't actually I play. To, I was trying to help your he didn't argument. Actually, he didn't actually play. <laughs> no, but I, you're on to something. Yeah. You're on to something. Wes Welker is a coach with the doll. You're on to something. Yeah. Maybe if you want to hire from the Belichick tree, you should hire his players and not his coaches. Yes. Ooh, That's an interesting theme that we can keep an eye on as the yeah. years yeah. progress here as to some of these guys, Cliff Kingsbury maybe not, but <laughs> some of these guys that played for him may understand how to do it better than the ones that only only coach for him. Hey, Cliff got him to the playoffs, though. Yeah. They got to the playoffs. Okay. Listen, the Carters went to the playoffs. It's going to be the offensive coordinator per Adam Schefter with the Raiders here uh, moving forward. Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Coming up, the Brock Purdy hate continues. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bought, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. There's Purdy on a roll, and he's going to get sacked. No, he got not. away from the sack, and a roll to his left, and he'll throw to the sideline. Oh, 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 oh,
Purdy. Brock Purdy was the head of the snake. I get it. But there are also a lot of plays in that ball game that make you scratch your head and think whether or not those are plays that Brock Purdy can consistently get away with. I know he doesn't look the part. Get the bleep over it. If you're going to allow yourself to constantly look for a yeah, but he may yeah, but his way to winning a couple of championships. And then what are you going to say then? I'm going to say he's a damn good quarterback. Get him, Freddie. I'm going to say he's a damn good quarterback. I'm with Freddie. I'm going to say he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's already a good quarterback, but I'm going to say he's a damn good quarterback at that point. I think we got to go off of this Super Bowl. He goes from good to good good. Oh. Yeah, with Usher, with Usher. No I doubt. knew you were waiting for I mean, I'm just saying. No doubt, he goes to good good. No question. So the question really becomes, is Brock Purdy good or good good? Because I not great? Great's off the table? Yeah. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, 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 think, I think, think great's great, great already. Great's off the table for right now. Okay. Right. Great's off the table for right now. I mean, it's it's hard to say that you're great and you're not one of the five best players on your team. Well, we're going to get to that in a second yeah. here. I do have a question, though. I just was thinking about something. Has there ever been a quarterback, maybe it's Nick Foles, I don't know, that has ever been debated this much as to is he good? Joe Flacco? Going into a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco was is he elite? That would establish already being good. <sighs> I, don't, I, I, I don't understand this debate. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jim, okay, that's a good that's one. A good Jimmy one. Garoppolo, good one, good one. Okay, so Jimmy Garoppolo. Nick Foles, I don't even know if we were debating if he was good. I think we were just saying, like, what a lucky, crazy... I shouldn't say lucky. What we, a, what we, a miraculous yeah. run. We Jared, were on Jared Golf. Jared Goff's a good one. Good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. So this is more common than we realize now that I think about it, that somehow yes. we get to this game and we debate, is the quarterback good in this game? But Cam Newton is an MVP. Cam no- Newton knows the NFL inside and out. Whether you agree with his takes or not... I, in no, I I get bothered when people downgrade his takes. I don't agree with what he's about to say, but it's Cam freaking Newton who played the game at a higher level than almost anyone analyzing the game, right? At that position, fourth and one podcast. Here's what Cam had to say about Brock Purdy. I've never said that Brock Purdy was trash. What I did say is Brock Purdy is a game manager. That's not hate. That's just what I feel to be facts. But I still reserve the right to say this. To be labeled a game changer, Brock Purdy has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball. And that's not the case. And who's the best player? Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Man, look, I ain't recanting. And if you really want to just be honest, if you add in a defensive talent and you add in an offensive talent, Brock Purdy is the 10th best player on this team. Okay, cool. Did he have a great game? Yes. Is he been playing out of his mind? Yes. Is he a quarterback that's hot? Yes. But he's still the 10th best player on his team. Okay, so there's Cam from his podcast, 4th and 1 podcast. I don't personally agree with what he said, but I also think... He didn't crap on Brock Purdy. I think every uh, Pert, how do you say it the way he Cam says Purdy. it? Purdy. Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy. <laughs> I think everyone has taken Sound like what, you say a parody. <laughs> yeah. Brock Purdy. Yeah. <laughs> Cam's just so much cooler than everyone. That's just oh what it is. Oh my god. I, I think that everybody's kind of taking this as Cam hates this guy. I, I'm not taking it that way. I'm taking it as Cam is critical of this guy. Maybe somewhat in comparison to the way he played. Maybe not. He has every right to be. He played that position. He won an MVP. He took a team to a Super Bowl. But here's where I go with this. If you're the 10th best player on your team, but you play that position, you're more valuable than anybody else on the team. 
because of the position you're playing. If you play that position at that high of a level, whether or not you look at McCaffrey better in comparison to other running backs, Debo and Ayuk better in comparison to other wide receivers, uh, Kittle better in comparison to other tight ends, Kyle Juszczyk is arguably the best fullback if you're going to go there in the league, Trent Williams the best left tackle, I think, in the league, before you even get to the defense, yes, in comparison to their peers, those guys rank higher than Purdy would in comparison (laughs) to his peers. But he plays the most important position. And, you know, it's funny listening to that because I think on the surface it, it sounds like Cam's trying to diss him, but I, I don't think he is. I just I think don't he's think he trying to give what he perceives to be his honest assessment of Brock Purdy's play and of that team. But I also think two things can be true at the same time. He may be position by position the 10th best player on his team, but he also is operating at such a high level that he's allowing all of those other players to reach their maximum potential and for this whole operation to run so smoothly. He also continues to answer every question we have of him. Can he win without this guy? Okay, he's done it. What is he going to do if they're at a deficit? He finds a way to bring them back. Oh, can he really break open a game? He finds a way to get it done with his leg legs it it might not look as as glamorous all the time and it might not be the numbers we expect and he might not have to carry the team on his back but he's getting it done at every single turn not saying that he's not getting it done his team is in the super bowl so i don't think that's a debate i don't think it's a debate whether or not he's a good player he's a good quarterback i guess the question is how good is he and how much credit does he deserve because people jumped out of the window and wanted to call this guy an mvp and clearly, I don't think that's where he's at. He's not in that class of quarterback. So where do you rank Brock Purdy? How much credit does he deserve for the 49ers Super Bowl run? And that's why I want to see how different this Super Bowl is as opposed to the one that we saw in 2019 with Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember, I mean, we're talking about a quarterback in Brock Purdy that has six all-pro players on the offensive side of the ball with him. Uh, not to mention the guys that they got on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you've got... Nick Bosa, you've got Charvarius Ward, two guys that are all pros. You got Fred Warner, all pro. Dre Greenlaw, perennial pro bowler. Eric Armstead, a perennial pro bowler. This team is absolutely loaded. So I guess my question is, for all of the winning that San Francisco is doing, how much credit do we give to Brock Purdy? I get that he plays the most important position in all of football, but relative to value over replacement, how much credit do we give Brock Purdy as opposed to the supporting cast that's around him in San Francisco, the team that Kyle and John Lynch were able to assemble around him? That's the only question that I want to know. Like That's the thing that most people can't answer. Like We'll acknowledge that he's good. Some people will call him underrated. I would not. I, I think we've gone too far on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of giving him credit for what we're seeing from the San Francisco 49ers. It's kind of hard to quantify that, though, no? You know, unless we do the hypothetical, if you take him off this team and put him on that team, would it be different? But we don't know the results of that. You know, it's all speculation. I think it's it's really hard to quantify how valuable he is to his team and what impact he's making in real time because this is a team sport and they're all working together. So I think it's hard to, to really determine that. But I guess you're going to have to quantify it in a year from now because you got to make a determination on whether or not you're going to pay him, right? This is not a guy that was a first-round draft pick and has a fifth-year option. Uh, You're going to have to make a decision after his third year. Are we going to extend him? And what does a contract for Brock Purdy look like? I think what we see in the big game is certainly going to inform the role that the San Francisco 49ers go down. Because if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden you're talking about his contract on an average annual value basis starting with a 
five. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about 50 million and up as opposed to, you know, what we've seen from other quarterbacks that are in the 40s. Like, it's, it's not going to be the Daniel Jones contract. So right. that's the thing that you've got to figure out. And I guess that's the part that I'm interested to see from San Francisco. Very quickly. If I just figured out his per game averages here. If Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl wins the game, the Niners win, and he goes 19 of 28, 268 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Good, good, or good? Good, good. Okay. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.